This is the summation. It's the total, the takeaway, the cheat sheet, and elevator speech. In all of the passages of the Bible, in the Hebrew scripture as well as the New Testament, in every story that is told, in every letter that is written, in every single piece of wisdom that we find, it boils down to these several words, or at least it should. But how do we not dilute the meaning of these words into some silly sentimentality that could be cross-stitched onto pillow covers? platitudes emptily thrown at the problems of our lives. Because this message, while simple, isn't simplistic. And that's why time and again we come back to these words. For they touch our deep need, our longings, and our inadequacies. These words ask us to do that which is most basic, foundational, fundamental, and even sometimes frustrating. We paste on smiles and exchange pleasantries. But friends, how do we really love like we mean it? A reading from the Gospel of Luke. He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. Then he put the man, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be glorified in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. I have to start with how good it is to be back with you all. And I have to confess, last Sunday after worship, I couldn't help but think, damn, we have something good here. (laughs) In the songs that are sung, in the hymns and praises that are lifted up, in the incredible preaching of Seth, in the prayers that are spoken 
by Carolyn and Robin, and by you all. We have something good here. Because we're there for one another in community when life is joyful, when there is so much to celebrate in baptisms and anniversaries and births. And we're also there for each other when life gets hard and messy and complicated. And before I get weepily nostalgic as something I tend to do, that's what we're here to talk about today, because that's love. And I'm not just talking about love in the Barry Manilow sense of the word, though that is good love too, and we can talk about that another time. But I'm talking about love that ties and tethers us to one another, to our true and beloved selves, to our neighbors, and to God who is love. When I was a little girl, I was one of those kids at the playground. I would run and play with anybody who was there. And I don't know if this speaks to my early ingrained joy of community, (laughs) or if it speaks to my own deep-seated fear of loneliness. Both could possibly be true. But regardless, At the park, I would routinely run up to my mom or dad with some little kid in my hand that I had met five minutes ago, and hand in hand and out of breath, I would exclaim, this is my new best friend, and I love them. Thankfully, I was broken of this habit before my first date. (laughs) That would not have turned out so well. Anyway, as a child, After finding these new best friends that I loved on the playground and telling my parents about them, I would begin to catch my breath and I would pause for a beat and I would have to awkwardly turn toward them and ask, can you tell me your name again? (laughs) Well, my parents held a very legitimate fear for stranger danger, which is probably why I was a leash child for more years than I would like to admit. I loved the possibility of new friends. I loved to think about the games that we would play, the things that they had to teach me, and the things that I had to teach them. And in my own five-year-old way, I recognized that this love was about seeing someone for who they truly were. And I did love them. This passage that Norm just read for us today from Luke, it also appears in Mark and Matthew. It appears several times in the Hebrew Bible and is known there as the Shema or the command of Israel. The fact that this scripture appears several times reminds me of how as a student, when a teacher says something repeatedly, bells start to go off in your head and there's a chance that that piece of knowledge is important. And so, and it would so often appear on exams. As a student, I would underline and color code those things that teachers said over and over, putting them on index cards to remember them. And I feel like this is one of those scriptures. Not that there's some cosmic test, because thank goodness we all believe in grace here. But I feel like if there was some sort of test, this passage would be on it. What is the greatest commandment, Jesus is asked? And it's these three things. To love God, 
to love our neighbors, and to love ourselves. So let's start at three and work our way backwards today. Loving ourselves. I don't know if you all felt this. Maybe if you were a teacher, you felt this. Or maybe just because of my sweet sabbatical vibes, I definitely felt this. But it felt like a summer of self-love. It felt like self-love permeated the zeitgeist from Sufjan Stevens releasing several songs during Pride Month, one entitled Love Yourself, to the amazingly divine message of Lizzo, a black self-identified fat feminist who talks openly about how do we love ourselves in a world that tells us to hate ourselves. She asks, how do I love myself on the days that I hate myself? How do I love myself in a world that doesn't love me? How do I love myself in the face of racism and misogyny? How do I love myself amidst fat phobia? How do I still love myself? And she goes on to say that I don't think loving yourself is a choice. I think it's a decision that has to be made for survival. She says it was in her case that loving herself was the result of answering two things. Do you want to live? Because this is who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Or are you going to have a life of emptiness and self-hatred and self-loathing? And she says that she chose to live. And so she had to choose to love and accept herself. Self-love is survival. Do we want to live? Now, sometimes when talking openly about self-love, people get a little squirmy. Because sometimes we confuse self-love and narcissism. Narcissism says, it's all about me, and I'm the best, and everyone else is inferior or unimportant or inconsequential, while self-love reminds us that we are good and worthy, and that we are also called to celebrate how others are also good and worthy. We might also be squirmy about self-love because it can seem as indulgent. While children are dying in Africa and the world seems to be burning, how do we take time to love ourselves? But friends, we don't only need to party, as Pastor Seth reminded us last week. We also have to take the intentional time to care and tend and love ourselves. Because we do not love others well when we do not love ourselves well. We end up loving out of scarcity rather than out of abundance. We end up loving out of our anxiety and our self-doubt. We end up loving out of fear, which is not really any kind of love after all. But when we do love ourselves, when we can affirm our God-given beauty and dignity and worth, then we can love from a place of centeredness and wholeness. James Baldwin writes about this need for self-love in contexts of racism in America when he writes that white people in this country will have quite enough to do in learning how to love and accept themselves and each other. And when they have achieved this, which will not be tomorrow and it very well may be never, 
the racism problem, the Negro problem, will no longer exist and will no longer be needed. Because when we love ourselves well, we can love others well. And I'm not saying that we do this perfectly. We're all a bit broken, and sometimes we forget and overfunction, or sometimes we jump towards anger rather than compassion. But when we make loving ourselves a daily practice, then it becomes easier to say, I'm sorry, and to try again. It allows us to walk that long arc of justice without burnout or bitterness or disenchantment. And when we love ourselves, then we can truly love our neighbor. And this, friends, is why I picked the Luke passage rather than Mark or Matthew. Because in Luke, we see Jesus spell out for us who our neighbor is. Now, this is a story I'm sure you've all heard before. I spent my summers telling stories, holding little ones, and reading bored books. From little Eleanor in Colorado to Henry in Boston and St. Paul. Somehow, I don't know this is normal, but all of my best friends seem to have babies in the past year, and so part of my summer was spent visiting all of them and getting to cherish their little ones. But one gift to me was not only this time with these miraculous little creatures, but it was also the wisdom in these seemingly simplistic stories. Chug, 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 puff, 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 puff. Ding, dong, ding, dong. The little train rumbles over the tracks, and she was a happy little train, for she had such a joyful load to carry. Her cars were filled with good things for little children. There were toy animals, there were giraffes with long necks, and teddy bears with no necks at all, and there was even an adorable baby elephant. There were dolls with blonde hair and blue eyes, and there were dolls with beautiful brown skin and curly black hair. And there was even the funniest little clown that you ever saw. And there were cars that were full of toy engines and airplanes and tops. And because this story was written long ago when children's safety was lack, there were also jackknives. I feel like that book should be edited out for contemporary culture, but uh, there were picture books and puzzles and every kind of thing a little one could want. But that was not all. Some of the cars were filled with all sorts of good food for the little children to eat. There were big golden oranges and red-cheeked apples and creamy milk for their breakfasts. There is fresh spinach for their dinners and peppermints for after-meal treats. The little train was carrying all these wonderful things to the good little children on the other side of the mountain, and she puffed happily along. And then, all of a sudden, with a jerk, she stopped. She simply could not go another inch. She tried and she tried, but her wheels would not turn. What were those good little children on the other side of the mountain going to do without wonderful toys to play with or good food to eat? Here comes a shiny engine, said the funny clown who jumped out of the train. Let us ask him for to help us. 
So all the dolls and toys cried out together, please, shiny engine, please, shiny engine, won't you stop and help pull our train over the mountain? Our engine has broken down, and the little children on the other side won't have any toys to play with or food to eat unless you help us. But the shiny new priestly engine snorted. <laughs> I pull you. I'm a passenger engine. I just carried a big, fine train with so many cars over the mountain. I'm too important to carry the likes of you. No, and he steamed off. How sad the train and all the dolls and all the toys felt. But then the clown called out, the passenger engine is not the only train in the world. Here comes another engine, a big, strong engine. Let us ask him. The little toy clown waved his flag and the big strong engine came to a stop. Oh please, oh please, big Levitical engine, cried all the dolls and toys together. Won't you please pull our train over the mountain? Our engine has broken down and the good little children on the other side of the mountain won't have toys to play with or food to eat unless you help us. But the big, strong Levitical engine bellowed, I'm a freight engine. I've just pulled a big train loaded with big machines over the mountain. I'm a very busy engine indeed, and I don't have time to help pull you. And the freight engine puffed off. The little train and all the dolls and toys were very sad. Cheer up, cried the little clown. And I like to imagine at this moment that all the toys almost rioted against this clown. <laughs> because who wants to be happy in the midst of this? But cheer up, cried the little clown. The freight engine is not the only one in the world. And here comes another engine. He looks very old and tired. But our train is little, so perhaps he can help us. Please, kind engine, cried all the dolls and toys together. Won't you please pull our train up over the mountain? Our engine is broken down, and all the children on the other side of the mountain won't have toys to play with or food to eat unless you help us. But the rusty old engine sighed. I'm so tired. I've served on all the committees and marched in all the protests and taught all the Sunday school classes. I cannot even pull a little train as yours over the mountain. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. And off he rumbled, still muttering, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. Then the train and the toys erupted into tears until that pesky, optimistic clown cried out again, here is another train coming, a little blue Samaritan engine, a very little one. Maybe she will help us. The very little engine came chug, 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 chuggling merrily along, and when she saw the train and the toys, she quickly stopped and asked, what is the matter, my friends? 
Oh, little blue Samaritan engine, will you pull us over the mountain? Our engine is broken down, and the good little children on the other side of the mountain won't have food to eat or toys to play with unless you help us. Please, 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 little blue engine. Well, I'm not very big, said the little blue engine. They only use me in the train yard, and I've never been over the mountain. But we must get over the mountain before the children awake, said the toys. The little blue engine saw the tears and the eyes of the train and all the toys, and she thought about all the little children who wouldn't have toys to play with or food to eat unless she helped. And then she said, I think I can. I think I can. And she tugged, and she pulled, and she huffed. And she tugged, and she pulled, and she huffed. And she chanted, I think I can. 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 You can join me. I think I can. I think I can. It's easier to get it. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And up, and up, and up, and faster, and faster, and faster, until the little engine climbed, until it reached the top, and everyone cheered. And down into the valley, the toys cried out with joy. Because you helped us, the little children will have food to eat and toys to play with. And the little blue engine smiled, and seemed to say as she puffed steadily down the mountain, I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. Loving our neighbor, as Jesus calls us to in Luke, loving like we mean it, involves risk, just like it did with that little blue engine. It means doing something that might be hard or uncomfortable or maybe even impossible but it means daring to try. It means putting away our own self-importance, our own busyness, our own self-doubt. To ask that first question, as the little blue engine does, what is wrong, my friend? It's not doubting yourself. It's not doubting yourself because of your size or your experience or your gender. And I have to point out, as I read this book to my goddaughter, Phoebe, I loved the fact that I noticed the gendered pronouns for the first time. So the little train that breaks down is a female train. And then the little train who helps, the little blue engine, is a female train. And for some reason, all those trains that are too important or too busy are male trains. <laughs> you can take that as you will. <laughs> But if we're honest with ourselves, there is always an excuse why we shouldn't do something. There is always an excuse. But if we are living faithfully, we dare to dream of what is possible for all of the broken down trains. And if we're loving ourselves, and if we're truly loving our neighbors, and if we are loving then we are also loving God because God lives within us. That imago dei, the face of God that we see every morning when we wake up and look in the mirror. And the face of God that we see when we look at our neighbors. 
We can feel God's love when we take the time to notice the beauty of early fall flowers or the wonder of a summer sunset. We can feel God's love in the hand of a child tucked into yours or on a long phone call with a friend. And we show our love for God when we live with integrity and intentionality, when we remember to lift up gratitude and thanksgiving for all that we have. And I'm not often into the business of making guarantees, but I guarantee that when we love, when we love in a way that is messy and complicated and hard, when we love ourselves with all of our pimples and imperfections, our dark places and our deep longings, when we love others, and when we give our love to God and feel that love coming from God, no matter how little our engine is, I believe that we are God's people of change in the world. And I think we can. I think we can. I think we can. Amen.